Before we dig into our teaching time this morning, if our guest would indulge us, I would just like to take a few minutes uh, as a congregation to acknowledge and to remember those who have been connected uh, to our congregation in some way who have either moved out of the area or passed in the last 15 months. This, this, this Sunday marks uh, a move into a new season for us, and I don't want us to mark it uh, without uh, having a time to remember. Over the past 15 months, we have grieved the deaths of Stanley and Julia Harrison, the parents of of Jill Stratton, who are longtime members of our congregation. We've grieved the death of, of Dan Eldridge, our friend, and uh, the husband of our friend Jeanette Eldridge, our, our chair of our diaconate. We've grieved the death of Nita Wallace, the mother of L. Hudgens, and we've grieved the death of former members and friends, Becky Welch and Steve Mathis. As far as I know, none of these folks died of COVID, but they passed in a time when it was hard for, for families to grieve without the the physical gathering together in support of uh, the church family. And I know many of you, some of you in this room today, have lost loved ones. For those who've lost loved ones, we continue to stand with you. Uh, We continue to pray for you uh, and pray for God's mercy, God's healing, and God's strength uh, as uh, we walk through these days. We've also had many friends relocate out of the area. We're used to that here uh, in this area. We know that, that most people don't necessarily come to the DMV and decide just to settle and stay, uh, but we normally have a time to give them a, a proper farewell. Uh, for those of you who are our guests, we usually, if, if, the, if folks will allow us, we, we have folks up and we pray for them uh, as they go. But Jim and Jan Burns uh, moved back to their native Canada uh, Dan and Cassandra Fox back to California. Uh, Robert and Jan Novia are out in uh, Seattle. Travis and Allie Boatwright have moved back to the Richmond area. Uh, Christina Flores and her children, Joe, Jesse, uh, Gabriel, Hazel, and Elizabeth and her family moved to the Culpeper area. Uh, the Hufflins moved out to the West Coast. The Odins and the Brits moved in other places in Virginia. Um, and uh, we miss folks uh, when they move. We enjoy saying hello when folks move here, and, and we miss them when they move. For those of you who've lost loved ones, just know that we continue to stand with you and we pray for God's grace and peace. For those who have moved away, some are still connected with us online. Just know if your journey ever brings you back uh, to the DMV, uh, you always have a place here uh, at OTCC to call home. And so just wanted to to spend just a few moments and just mark this moment uh, and to remember uh, with gratitude and with prayer. Our text this morning is found in Psalm 122, so I invite you to turn or or launch your Bibles there. Uh, The text will also be on the screen uh, for you at home as well as here in the sanctuary. And if you also uh, received uh, one of these coming in, you'll have opportunities, if you prefer, uh, to take uh, notes later uh, in uh, the sermon time. But Psalm 122, uh, and I'll read it for us. It reads like this. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. 
pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I will seek your prosperity. May God bless the reading of his word. Psalm 122 is called a a psalm of ascent, and it indicated that the person praying the psalm was going up for the worship of God. So Psalm 122 follows Psalm 120, in which we hear the lament of the psalmist, lamenting that the psalmist cannot be near the city of Jerusalem and near the worship of God. Then Psalm 121, we read about the psalmist on the way to the worship of God. And then in 122, we hear the psalmist rejoicing. I rejoiced with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And this great psalm would function like a piece of liturgy or an element in a liturgy. A piece of liturgy, the work of the people of God in worship, invites those who pray or sing it to make claims about God and to talk about their uh, claims and their belief and their faith in God. So for example, uh, we open the time of worship today with the hymn, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Together, uh, here in this room and with those online, we make claims about God. We as God's people said, hey, this is what we believe about our God, that our God is a God of love, and that only God can melt the clouds of sin away and sadness away and drive the dark away. We together made that claim. So in Psalm 122, a devout Jew would celebrate the idea of going up to the holy city and the sacred space of the temple. Now, I want to spend a few moments this morning just talking about and exploring this idea of sacred space in our lives. Over the past 15 months, we have thought a lot about this concept of space, haven't we? with the exception of a few weeks last summer, for 64 weeks, if you can believe that, 64 weeks, it has just been me and Pastor Brian and two members of our tech team in this space right here. Most of you have been in your homes uh, watching online or uh, maybe you watched it later online or or maybe you did multitasking while while you listened online, but this has been an interesting concept of space. We've thought differently over the last 15 months, all of us have, right, about the space we call home. It was not only our home, but for some of us, it was our office. For others of us, it was also a school. And that's just how we started to process this place we called home. Or think about the other spaces that you engaged over the last 15 months. All of a sudden, spaces that you really never thought a lot about became dangerous spaces, a trip to the grocery store, doctor's office, place of worship, stadiums. These all became high-risk spaces. As COVID was raging in our country, I remember going to the store or, or somewhere that I had to go, and as soon as I got back in my car, I was able to take my mask off, and all of a sudden my car became almost like a sanctuary a sacred space that I wanted to be. I bet most of you had that feeling as well. Who could ever think that in our area that somebody's car would almost be like a sanctuary 
But it is. You know, during traffic, it can be all sorts of things. Outdoor parks and yards became necessary space. And the only space we could relax and connect with others. Last week, Jody and I got to go to North Carolina to see my family. And by the way, to pick up our new puppy, shameless picture, there's our new puppy right there. His name is Gus. His actual name is Gustav. He's just too, too cute to call Gustav. So that's Gus. Uh, but before that, we got, to vis- we got to visit with my family inside. But before that, during the 15 months of COVID, all we could do was one time we visited my dad on his 88th birthday, and it was blazing hot, and we stayed outside. But we've thought a lot differently about space, haven't we? So it's fitting we talk about the idea of space and what the psalmist says about sacred space. Let's just go ahead and get this out on the table for us this morning. Sacred space is much more than physical space. Sacred spaces are those places, those moments, and those activities which we experience a greater sense of the presence of God. Let me say that again for us. Sacred spaces are those places, moments, and activities that help us experience a greater sense of the presence of God. Let's talk about sacred places for a moment. If we're not careful, we reduce Psalm 122 to verse 1, and we simply interpret it something like, it makes me really happy when I can go to church. Now, I think we would all agree that especially after the last 15 months, it is a good feeling, and it makes us happy to be able to gather in the same physical space and worship God. This psalm doesn't mean less than that, but it means so much more. This psalm is actually about a pilgrimage to the holy city of Jerusalem that every devout Jew would want to take. And to this day, uh, this psalm is inscribed on the wall of Jerusalem as one would enter into the city. The Jews would long to visit the holy city, particularly during uh, the feast days and particularly being able to go to the temple. But the average Jew would not be able to go every year, much less every two or three years. And the essence of the pilgrimage to Jerusalem was this fundamental belief, this fundamental idea that in the temple, the temple of God in Jerusalem is where heaven and earth came together. It's where heaven and earth would collide, if you will. It is the very sacred dwelling place of God. Now, let me hit the pause button just for a moment. I would be remiss if I didn't remind us and affirm the reality that there's not a temple, there's not a city, there's not a church structure, there's not any physical dwelling place that can contain the presence of God. And one of the great theological affirmations is that God is omnipresent, that God is present in all places and at all times. Ancient Jews affirm this very same truth. Even though they held the temple as that place where heaven and earth collide, they, they affirm the same truth. Psalm 139, 7-10, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will guide me and hold me fast. And so we understand that God is everywhere, that God is not just contained to a church building or a temple, 
And yet we also acknowledge that there are sometimes those physical spaces, those physical realities, those material spaces that God uses to draw us closer and to experience Him in a deeper, profound way. God gave Jesus, for example, to dwell in human flesh, and He was the exact representation of God's being. There we see the material or the physical pointing us to the spiritual. God uses incredible music and and art and architecture to pull our hearts and our minds toward heaven. God uses the material and physical to bring us into the spiritual. God uses the embrace of a friend in a hard time to show us that God cares for us and that we need each other. That's the material bringing us into the spiritual. And God uses places of worship like this one to pull us away from the stresses and the anxieties of daily life and to whisper messages of mercy to us and shout words of prophetic wisdom to us. God uses the material to bring us into the spiritual. I remember the first time I received communion up at an altar and I was in an Anglican church in England and and when it was time for communion, uh, I came up like like everyone else did, and, and I grew up in a tradition where you pass the pass the plate through all the different rows and everything. Nothing wrong with that. But I remember the first time I went up and I received communion in this way, and I knelt on that hard wooden altar and held out and cupped my hands for the bread to be placed in my hand by the the pastor. It just physically reminded me. It humbled me. And it reminded me that I am a beggar in need of bread. That I am a sinner in need of salvation. And that I need the mercy of God. The physical drawing us deeper into the spiritual. That is a reality. As restrictions ease, we're going to do more and more to this space to make this a physical space where you can come and to pray, get away from the stresses and the anxieties of life, and to commune with God. And let me encourage you to find and to carve out a space in your home or in your neighborhood or in your daily ins and outs that you also can say, hey, this is a sacred space for me. God speaks to me here in this place. So let me ask you a a question this morning. You can jot it down on your message notes if you want, but Where are those sacred places in your life where you most experience the presence of God? And let me encourage you to to try to surface daily spaces. Okay? Because I can tell you, my wife Jody would tell you right away that the first thing that, that when I raise my hand, if somebody asks me that question is Colorado, (laughs) the Rocky Mountains. I I love the Rocky Mountains. But you can't go to Colorado every day. So where are those spaces in your daily life that can be that for you? Okay, let's look at sacred time. So the pilgrimage for a Jew would not happen in a vacuum. So it was a very special, it was a very holy journey and experience. And yet, it also happened in the realities of everyday life. The psalmist in this psalm is aware of the present moment but in verses 6-9, through nine, there are apparent threats to the safety and the security of Jerusalem. And so we see here the psalmist placing his life in the flow of history. And the psalmist recounts how 
tribes have gathered in Jerusalem over and over and over. I'm reminded when I read this psalm that there are, there are two kinds of, of time that we like to talk about. There's chronos. The chronos is the tick-tock of the clock. You know, minute by minute by minute by minute. Chronos. And then there's kairos. Kairos represents those moments or seasons that have just a significant impact in our lives. So, for example, somebody may look back on their college years or, or their high school years or their first job or whatever, and they may say, oh, wow, that was a significant time. Now, when they say this, they don't mean that, you know, 11-27 on June 6th, that was a significant time. No, what they mean is that season. Bill Hook and I, a few weeks ago, were talking about how our team... The Nationals are off to a slow start. You wouldn't think I would regather without mentioning the Nationals. I have to do that. How they're off to a really slow start this year. However, in that same moment, in the same breath, we also affirm that there was just nothing compared to the 2019 playoff run that ended up with the Nationals winning the World Series. I don't know if you guys realize that, but we did win the World Series in 2019. I can live off of that for a long time. I may have to live off of it for a really long time. But that's the baseball version of Kairos. I look back and say, what? And I still just thought, what an incredible time. It helps that I can replay it on YouTube often. But anyway, both Kronos and Kairos are sacred. They're both sacred. To be sure, God works in the mundane, the day in and the day out, ordinary time. And God works powerfully, powerfully in those Kairos moments powerfully in those seasons let me give you a few examples a kairos moment for you might be when god gives you just a very special insight as you read scripture or as you study the bible with others or in a, a worship service and you may just sense god speaking to you in that moment in a different way than you've ever experienced or it may be a mission experience as you as you maybe go to the carpenter shelter with a team here or you serve with open table, the, the breakfast that we serve every single Wednesday, or you do a food distribution, or many of the different other mission projects. And there's something about that one day, that moment God opened your heart and your eyes, and you saw something completely differently for the rest of your life. For some, it's an extended out, time outdoors in God's creation can be kairos moments. The church has always had holy communion, baptism, as moments that can be these powerful seasons and moments. The Celtic monks spoke of these mesmerizing spaces on earth where it seems to be that the veil of, between heaven and earth is just really, really thin. They call these the thin spaces. A kairos moment in your life is that moment when the veil between heaven and earth is just peeled back just a little. So you can get a glimpse and you can experience God in a deeper way. Let me encourage you this week as you have time to reflect and think about your relationship with God, maybe go back, use the message notes if you want, and just jot down, these were big Kairos moments in my life. And then ask God also, leaning forward, God, when, speak to me. God, show me when you're trying to get my attention. Help me to experience you in a powerful way. Well, lastly, I talked about sacred activity. I struggled with this word here. 
Uh, technically, when speaking of, of liturgy, like this, this Psalm 122 is, we would use the word order. So we would say, you know, space, time, and order. The order here is the call for order in the world. So the activity here is not our activity, but rather God's activity in the world. In this psalm, we see Jerusalem as the place where the judgments of God are considered. So a couple scholars wrote this, on this ancient pilgrimage, those traveling to Jerusalem would believe that since God is in the city, there is the hope that God's orderly intentions for creation will be carried out. By asking those who accompanied him on the pilgrimage to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the psalmist was acknowledging the lack of order. Equally, however, he was acknowledging God as the source of order. So perhaps we can hear this idea of sacred activity as God's call to action in our lives. So we see or we experience injustice, and we know that only God can make it right. We see or experience poverty, and we know that it's by the grace of God working through His people that we can feed hungry bellies and make it right. We see division in every area of community life, and we know that is wrong. We know that is not what God wants. And we pray and we ask God for the Spirit and the ministry of reconciliation because we know it's only through the Holy Spirit can unity come in the midst of such division. One of the reasons I believe that we were so shocked on January 6th when the Capitol building was overrun. One of the reasons we were so shocked is that Capitol building stands for democracy and it stands for freedom and is the global representation of almost every single fragile democratic experiment. Now, as beautiful as that building is, and it's stunning. I love seeing it when I walk along the river almost every day. It is only stone and mortar, as beautiful as it is. That's all it is. The reason why it is so important to us is that we have infused it with certain values. We have infused it with activities that we hold dear as a people. Values that American soldiers have died for on the battlefield, as we remembered last week. When people look upon the house of the Lord, from house churches to great cathedrals to churches renting elementary schools and community centers all over this land to outdoor shelters by a river in Africa, we want them to infuse that physical space with the divine order and values, and activity of God. So when people drive by and they glance at this building, we don't want people for a moment to think that this would be a place where unlovely attitudes and attributes reside. We don't want them to think that this is a dangerous place, but rather a place where people gather to consider and to celebrate the order and the justice and the love and the mercy of God. So when God calls you to join Him in His work in the world, to set what is wrong right, no matter where you are, at home, at work, on a hike, on the metro, that's sacred space. 
That is sacred space in your life. So if you have a grudge against a friend and you and that friend reconcile, that's a sacred space. If you see somebody being treated unfairly and you get in there and you help bring about fairness and justice in that moment, that's sacred space. When you feed a hungry belly, that is sacred space. When you share the gospel with someone, that is sacred space. Sacred space in your life is when you're participating in the activity of our wonderful, active, alive God working in this world to put what is wrong to right. That's sacred space. So a question for you to ponder this week as you reflect, is God calling you today to join Him in a certain sacred activity that will demonstrate His love and mercy in the world? If so, first of all, I guarantee you if you ask God, God will call you to that. That's sacred space in your life. So sacred spaces. It's those, yes, it's those physical places where we sense the presence of God in a greater way. It's those moments, those, 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 those kairos moments that God draws you closer and the veil between heaven and earth appeal back. It's those activities where you join God at work. So I invite you this morning on June 6, 2021, or whenever you're listening online, to embark on a pilgrimage, not to Jerusalem, but to a sacred space in your life. Tell God that you want to draw closer through these sacred spaces. Draw near to God, and I promise you, God will draw near to you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. And this morning, we're going to receive uh, communion. You should have received uh, a cup and, and a, a wafer uh, on your chair. If, if you don't have one, if you're in the room, uh, just raise your hand and, and one of our, our uh, greeters will bring you one. If you're at home online, I encourage you to grab a, uh, a cracker and something to drink as we uh, share in communion together. But let's pray and prepare our hearts. Lord God, you do come to us in many different ways, in many different spaces, moments, and activities to remind us of your presence, to remind us of your love, to remind us of your mercy, to remind us of your mission in the world. This morning, God, we are so grateful as your people to be able to gather together to worship you. And we're grateful as your people to be able to consider your activity. And so now, O oh Lord, search our hearts. Lord, as we come to you this morning in preparation to remember you, Lord, we ask that you would bring to light any of those moments, Lord, activities where we've displeased you, the sin in our lives. Bring that to mind, O oh God. And as we consider the bread and the cup this morning, bring us to that place of confession and repentance. Fully confident in knowing of your love and mercy, of your sustaining grace that will carry us and bring to work your Spirit in our lives. Lord, bring to mind as we 
hold the bread and the cup. Bring to mind, O oh God, those, those friends, those family members that, that need our prayers and concern. Lord, we know that we never encounter You without considering others around us. So Lord, speak to us in ways that we can be Your hands and feet of mercy and care. And Lord, as we, we hold the bread and the cup this morning, remind us of Your mission in the world. Incline our ear to hear You calling us to do Your work for Your glory and for the sake of the world You love. We receive the bread and the cup this morning in gratitude for Your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.